Hello, parents, and welcome back to another episode of Positive Parents, Resilient Kids. My name is Millie Albers, and I'm a parent who's just begun my journey. And I'm pretty honoured to be sitting next to Terence Shepherd, Dr. Terence Shepherd, who wrote the book with his wife, Margaret, about Positive Parenting, Your Guide to Raising Psychologically Healthy Children. And in today's episode, I'm delighted to be interviewing Karina McDonald, who I find was one of the most inspiring, beautiful mamas in this planet. It's going to be a really beautiful episode. You're going to be talking about the interesting challenges that you've had as a parent and is quite unique to, I think, you know, what most parents go through. So tell us about you and your family and let's get into it. Thank you for having me Uh, and thank you for having me as well. It's a pleasure. (laughs) My story is, uh, so I have two children, Jake and Sienna. So Jake is eight years old and Sienna is 11. And I'm also stepmother to uh, Jace, who is almost 12. And so I guess it's a little bit outside of the normal story for myself in that Jake has quadriplegic cerebral palsy. So he was born with quadriplegic cerebral palsy to go back to the beginnings of it all. Completely normal childhood uh, pregnancy, sorry, and uh, completely normal labour. So, in fact, he was quite quick and easy and everything was quite natural. And the first four months, everything was as per normal, everything I'd read in the books and just settling into the two children juggle. And it wasn't until I had another mother that I'd met through a Facebook mother's group and she had a daughter three days after I had Jake. And she sent me a photo of her daughter. She was a little baby where they had their little hands in their mouth and she had her feet in her mouth. And you know how they're just so bendy and they're like a little ball. And I realized that Jake was like a plank. So he was quite stiff. And I I realized that I'd never seen his hands in his mouth. Mm. And I'd never even seen his, like his knees up or anything like that. And I suddenly, I remember looking at that photo and my heart actually sank. Because I was like, something actually isn't right Mm. with Jake. Mm. And I didn't know what it was, but I remember thinking, Jake isn't like that. And I guess with Sienna, so she's completely neurotypical and very bright, happy little girl as well. And so being a second time mother, maybe I was onto her a bit quicker. Um, But also with Jake, he is a very engaging, sociable little boy as well. So I started to say to people, I don't think something's quite right here. And they were like, no, he's fine. He would make great eye contact even from eight weeks of age. Um, He was very giggly and just really engaged with the world. Um, But it was just that physical aspect that really didn't sit right to me. So yeah, I guess I went to the GP and uh, the GP looked him over, did a couple of little tests and said, he seems fine to me. But as a mother, if your gut you know, tells you something's not right, I'll refer you on. So went to a paediatrician <laughs> and I still remember this day and that's probably why I have a lot of respect for people who are driving really slow or, you know, not quite um, doing the normal on the road because I went to this paediatric appointment and I drove home probably 10 kilometres an hour in all the different lanes because she did a once-over Jake and she said, I'm really quite concerned about this little boy and I'll refer you on for some more tests. So again, there wasn't really a lot of anything being thrown around, just that it went from GP saying he looks fine to the paediatrician saying, I'm really concerned about your son. Um, So 
And uh, yes, I still remember the drive home from that appointment and just driving really slowly and not quite sure where and what everything looked like moving forward. No one still had any ideas. We just knew something wasn't right, or I did. Everybody else was still saying that he seemed quite fine. Uh, So we went through tests. We went through cranial ultrasounds, uh, cranial x-rays, blood tests, um, all of the testing, everything came back fine. Um, But as I think we got to about eight months then and he wasn't sitting, showing any signs of anything like that. Um, So physically, he just wasn't developing as normal. Um, So it wasn't until we got to eight months and they put him through an MRI. So he had to go under anesthesia and they put him through the MRI. And I remember I got the phone call And the doctor said to me that he had what they call polymicrogyria. So it means poly means many, micro means small, gyria means folds. So it's many small folds around the surface of his brain and it was his whole brain was affected. So what it translated to at that time but hadn't quite sunk in was he was had a severe disability and would have quite some severe implications coming up. So I remember that phone call again, same thing, you know, like the ground kind of falls away and you're just sort of standing alert and you're not really sure now what that landscape looks like. Um, so everything that I, I wanted him to be motorbike riding and, um, you know, be just a little tear about little kid and he definitely is, um, but just in a different form now. Um, but I guess I had all of those visions and then it just suddenly... I had no idea what I was supposed to be expecting. Mm. Wow. So mm. <laughs> that's a lot, isn't it, Terrence? Good on you. Yeah. Is the, mm. is the first thing that comes to, to me because that, thank you for sharing mm. with us, apart from anything else, that's tough enough. But to speak so positively and be such a happy mum, given your little guy's challenges, is, is just wonderful. It's, I can understand why Millie is so mm. impressed with you. Thank you. Yeah, you're amazing because you had to learn. And this, Jake is your number two. Like you'd yeah. already felt like you've probably mastered the newborn, mastered yeah. the toddler. She was how old when Jake was? Uh, so she was 18 months, I think. Months. So you're right. Yeah. I, I was pretty confident going in number two. Yeah, very <laughs> confident. And then this was just completely came out, out of, from nowhere, it would have seemed. And you're like, yeah. what, what is this world and this that you need to learn now? And yeah. how, do, how, do I, how do you adjust to that? And what yeah. support is out there? Like it would have been, I think you were talk, we were talking off screen about, you use this beautiful analogy about painting. Mm-hmm. And do you remember, you probably have. Yes. You know, what it was, yeah. yeah, well, I guess it was that I, I'm quite the reader and researcher. So mm-hmm. I spend most of my pregnancies reading and researching. So I have, Felt like I had a pretty good picture of what parenting looked like in my head. And as I said, you know, the motorbike riding and this little terabyte kid and that I had all of that picture painted and that picture quite literally crumbled. And then I had to repaint a new picture. And I think to this day, I'm still painting that picture. And I guess when I think about it, that is parenting in general, isn't it? You know, take away Jake's challenges you're always going to have an idea of what you think it's going to be like in your head. And then each day, they're going to make you paint a different picture in your head. So they're going to guide us as much as we're guiding them. Mm -hmm. Um, But most definitely it was, I think the first 18 months was really um, a blur. 
and I think I went into research land. Try, I was desperately trying to find what this new landscape looked like. I remember just YouTubing other children with disabilities trying to work out, is that what he's going to look like? Is that what he's going to move like? Is that how he's going to sound? Is that? I just wanted to try and recreate something that I could feel was familiar. But I guess with, you know, all of us, we're all different, no matter what, whether disabilities or or not, that um, we're always going to create something different all the time. Mm. Um, So that's definitely happening every every day with Jake. (laughs) Mm. And that's such a great segue into what, Terence, you write about in the book in Chapter 12. That's all about, it's, let me just... how all children are different, but some are different than others. Some are more different than others, yeah. Karina, thanks so much for joining us because I've really been looking forward to meeting you, firstly, and also asking you some questions. Clearly, Jake, Jakey? Jakey? Oh, Jake, I say Jakey, Jakey a lot. <laughs> yeah. Jake has, he has some unusual challenges um, and he is in some ways different from other children, although we make the point in our book that uh, every child is unique, therefore every child is different. Mm-hmm. But there is no denying that some children, their their path through life is a lot, a lot easier and more serene than others, and the same goes for parents. So I guess one of my questions is, now that you've had eight years of, of your journey, mm-hmm. what what advice would you give not only to other parents but to Childcare professionals such as myself, pediatricians, GPs, psychologists, what have you learned that you think you would like to share uh, either with parents uh, only or with parents and, and uh, healthcare professionals? Uh, good question. I think a few things are that, you know, we talked about labels and, yeah, there really shouldn't be labels. And I think in this world with, you know, social media, it's great that it's becoming more and more the norm that you see people in wheelchairs or you see, you know, deaf or blind or all of that is a lot more exposed to us. So luckily everything's becoming a bit more normal so that eventually different isn't even a thing. It's just we are who we are. He's just in his wheelchair. He's just walking. They're just the thing is that having to, while it's probably easier and more comforting and familiar to create a label so that you have a, a, a definition to go by, um, I don't think anyone should have a label. And I also think, you know, while it may seem like the worst news in the world, and I thought that at the time, and, you know, it sounds silly that I probably would have not taken the news well if you said to me that he is one of the best things that has happened to me. So my non-mobile, non-verbal child with, you know, uh, seizures and lots of medical complications is actually, he has made me a much better person. I am a hundred times, I am a 360 different person. I actually call Jake, I don't know if I can swear, <laughs> but I call him and this, I need to come up with a nicer terminology, but I call him my shit filter because he actually filtered all of the shit out of my life. So what I found with when you have complications such as Jake, the people who can't handle it, they fall away. The job that didn't suit me, fell away. My health, I had to rise to the challenge of Jake. So Jake brought challenges, but I had to rise to those challenges. So I went through a complete health journey. My And as I said, my career changed. I had to leave my job, revisit all of that. And I found myself then just for the flexibility 
of um, having to work around Jake's um, appointments and that I found myself freelance writing again, which I wanted to do since I was 16 years old. So he brought me from being who I probably wasn't at the time and stripped all that away and brought me back to my core of who I really was. So the friends who were no good, they fell away. Um, Relationships that were no good fell away. And the people who matter stay. And the people who are there for you stay. And the people who, yeah, who really care about us stay. And Jake is like this little beacon of people just want to help. So I've found that as much as I aid and guide Jake and help him you know, whether it be physically and with food and changing and all of that, he's helped me just as much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would never have thought I'd be sitting on this couch, you know, uh, from where I was eight years ago. So um, I think my advice would be is really that as hard as it is, you have to have your time to grieve. You have to have your time to be in shock. You have to have your time to be angry and all of that sort of stuff and why me and whatnot, definitely have that time, but you can't stay there. Um, And you have to start looking at where it's helping you and where, you know, what a blessing he actually is. And I joke often that he's the easiest of my two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Besides the paperwork and the lifting, he's actually the easier (laughs) of the two um, because he's just such a little joy. Um, I think the beauty of Jake is that he is present in every moment. He doesn't have a past and he doesn't have a future. So he doesn't seem to worry about, it doesn't seem to bother him that he can't walk or he doesn't express that. Um, He just finds pure joy in every moment that he's got a toy and he's picked it up and he's waving it around and he's showing it to everybody. So that he is in every moment present and he doesn't have any of the hang-ups of past and future. So that's probably one thing that he's really taught me. Mm, Lovely. That's beautiful. Um, I'm really glad you raised the issue of labelling. As you'd be well aware, labelling has, I guess, a diagnostic purpose. Um, It can help professionals identify treatment regimes and so forth. But as a general way of living with people, of understanding people, it sounds like you and I agree that it's not helpful at all. And unfortunately, a lot of labelling of children that goes on can often be of a negative kind. And it can be, it can not only be children with significant disabilities, uh, such as uh, as Jake, but uh, simple comments like, oh, oh, no, of course you can't spell, you're just like your father. Mm. All right. Uh, and labels, of course, become self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm-hmm. You know, well, he's this, so he'll never be able to. Mm-hmm. She's that, so she can't. And I think as parents, we have to be very, very careful, and health professionals and teachers, we have to be constantly on our guard mm-hmm. not to label kids so that we create a future for them, which is is not preordained in any way other than we've decided that, he's no good at that or she's no good at that or whatever the case may be. So uh, I think your your comment about uh, about labelling is absolutely spot on. Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the biggest labels that Jake got was quadriplegic. And I remember looking up and realising they meant all of his limbs, so all four limbs, immobile or unusable or whatever. And Jake can use all four limbs. It's just not in the normal way. 
And I remember, as I said, the quadriplegic label really hit hard. And I was like, wow, he's like, it's all of it. And, um, and then I spent uh, two to three years raising thousands of dollars with help from other people to take him interstate. And we would go to therapy programs where he would undergo three hours of therapy a day, five days a week for three weeks straight. And I would drag Sienna and, and myself and Jake there. And we would do these therapies, which look, they're fantastic therapies, um, but they're great in an intensive environment. But then when you go home and you can't do that three hours a day, five days a week, it just falls away anyway. It's that, you know, the neurons that fire together, wire together. Um, but to have that in that environment, yes, it was effective, but in the home environment, it just all fell away. And I remember my daughter having to come to these, you know, school holidays and she's spending her school holidays in a therapy program interstate and we're going, you know, in the taxi back and forth and I'm worn out and Jake's upset because he's overtired and he's sore and he's just been made to spend three hours. I mean, I don't go to the gym for three hours straight and he's just gone three hours and done these therapy programs. And and it was because of a label that he was quadriplegic. And I thought, well, how can I help him move his four limbs? And it was all about trying to help him achieve that in the way that everybody else felt was normal. And then when I just like let it all go and I was like, he's just moving them in the way he wants to move them. And I became a happier mum, obviously. We got our school holidays back, saved lots and lots of money. And it just, you know, he is who he is. And yeah, he'll show us that as he goes along and to try and fit him into a box. It's not going to create, it's just going to create disharmony everywhere. Um, so yeah, just let him go. Uh, mm. Absolutely. Um, something else, Karina, you said before we started the podcast, which I think is relevant here, it had something to do with fish and trees. Oh, yes. Yeah. So one of my favourite sayings now, which I think um, really, really helped me, was that you can't judge a fish by how well they climb a tree. And so Jake, yes, if you put him into a schooling system, he's not going to match that criteria of how well he climbed that tree, but he's a damn good little swimmer, you know, in his way. So he's got his, you know, his positives and his things that he brings to the world and his magic at them. And so to judge him otherwise absolutely. is a, a crime, I think. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. And it's great that you're making this point because it really, it applies to, to all children. Yeah. I mean, we can, if you like, we can disable our own children without them having to have any organic uh, complications whatsoever simply by having expectations that they will climb trees or they, they will become lawyers or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it, it's very important when we talk about kids being different because they are, all children are unique. They're every single one. Yeah. And that's a good place to start. Jakey is a unique little person and and so is everyone else's child we develop certain aptitudes some of us are good at climbing trees some of us are rubbish mm -hmm. okay we develop preferences we develop interpersonal styles mm -hmm. and we end up residing on a whole series of those sort of continua and the combination of all of those positions make us who we are and if we start whatever wherever our kids are coming from or whatever situation they're in, if we start from that and that even these positions aren't permanent. Mm -hmm. Again, it's 
your your story about receiving the diagnosis, it would be like a kick in the solar plexus. It would have just been horrible. But it's most important for, for everyone listening and for all parents, whatever diagnosis you get of a child is a snapshot at a point in time. Mm -hmm. And the child today is not the child tomorrow. And it's so heartening to hear you talk about your supposedly quadriplegic son who does use his limbs, who can swim, and who does lots of other things because Mm -hmm. you've refused to allow that label to box you and him in. Yeah, I think the pivotal point as well is when I remember back in the early days where you wanted to try and change or fix things and that label that you have in your head is what I guess makes you want to then adjust that label. And I remember watching him holding a pen and he was trying to draw and it really was not the the typical way of holding a pen. And, you know, you can sit there and choose to look at him not holding that pen properly and focus on he's not doing that properly. And then I think where that moment where it clicked for me is that look at this kid who is, it's a challenge for him to pick up that pen and for him to have the messages from his brain to his hand, how well and how determined he is to pick that up, how well he's doing it in his own way to adapt to do it. And then the little smile on his face when he actually picks it up and then makes that little mark on the piece of paper. You know, you can choose to see that as beautiful rather than what he's not doing in the typical way. So I guess, you know, when we talk about the labels and the things like that, a great thing we've got now to our, available to us is, well, it's not about how he's picking up the pen or how he's holding it, but what tools can we use to help him pick up that pen? And, you know, assistive technology is fantastic for that. Mm. Um, there's so many little adaptive tools that you can use now to help him hold a pen in right. his way. Mm. Um, and, you know, I just, that's, that's a pivotal moment where you look at, not that he's holding it wrong, but that he's mm. done such a beautiful effort of picking it up with mm. what he had to, to do that. Um, and, you know, people get out of bed every day and walk and open their front door and it's not a challenge at all and it's quite automatic. Or they pick up a pen and it's, mm. they don't even think about it. But for Jake, it's quite a challenge and to, to see him do it and achieve it is beautiful. Mm. So perhaps the mindset shift of it being not that he's struggling but that he's achieving is a beautiful thing. Mm. And I think you've, you've struck on another principle of, of positive parenting, that it's not what or how much our kids achieve, it's how they're going about their lives. And here we have a little boy who's got more reason than most to complain and not try, trying his level best to do something which is important to him. And he has a mother, and I know he has a stepfather, who support him and and help him along the way. Uh, And that is, it's heartwarming to hear, hear from you because one of my concerns is it's possible to meet parents who who have children with really in comparison to where what you're you and 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 uh, Jake are dealing with is really quite minor and yet they they turn it into the Mount Everest of problems and the Mount Everest of disabilities thereby um, restricting their child to a to a diminished life. Uh, yeah, and for no reason other than that's how they have chosen to think about the situation and their child. Well, that's where I think Jake 
has been so positive for me in that I potentially, you know, having never had Jake, maybe I could have been one of those parents without realising it. But he has definitely humbled me and certainly made me a lot more grateful for those little achievements of picking up a pen and and things like that and the cheering that he gets and all of that. So, um, yeah, he's definitely, he's created, we, we kind of have both in this little, you know, improved or not improved, but helped each other mm, to mm. see the the gratitude and the beauty that is the simplicity of things. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, one thing that I, you know, really I'm admired by, by what you do is you're always seeing what opportunities you can create for Jake yeah. as well. You're always <laughs> thinking like, okay, how can we do it like this or do it, you know, differently? And that even goes down to one of the latest initiatives that is having a huge impact in the whole disability sector. And that's the the Carers Lounge, which, you know, your idea that started, uh, I think, a couple of years ago now. And do you want to explain, talk about, you know, the space that you've created what it's doing? Well, I think when I look, when I really think about that now, I actually realise it's just FOMO. (laughs) So I'm just going to put it down to FOMO. And I think Jake is very much like that too. So we definitely both have a fear of missing out. Jake is very much a sensory seeker. He loves getting out and about. He's the grumpiest really when he's at home and there's not machines going or sprinklers going or water or whatever. So he's definitely a party boy and probably myself as well. We both love a bit of an adventure. So the Carers Lounge came about because as he got bigger. So when he was a baby, it's quite easy to go out. And I'm very much a busy mum and I love getting out and about. And we're always going on an adventure, whether it be camping or hiking or just going to the movies or to uh, some, I don't know, we love anything live music or whatever. And uh, all well and good when he was little, but as he gets older and those complications start to arise, so he started having seizures He started getting a lot taller and heavier, so becoming a 23-kilo child now. It became quite difficult to go out and about. Changing him um, was, I just started to feel quite angry about it, that having to change him on a filthy floor in a public bathroom, he's laying on a blanket, I'm kneeling in dirt, and where it's 2023 or 2022 at the time and we're a developed country. And I just was frustrated that we're having to deal with that. Couldn't change him in parents' rooms, on the fold-out tables. He's way too heavy, too dangerous. So the only option I have is on the floor. And then another moment was at the Botanic Gardens and he needed a change quite urgently. The car was miles away. And so my friends had to put up a picnic blanket around us and I had to change him there. And I just was so frustrated at the is undignified, there's no privacy, and just how much of a simple need this was uh, for not only Jake, but I think it began to weigh on me that as he got older and older, I mean, he's only eight, and we've got years ahead of us that we want to go out to music festivals and parties and and um, the Fringe and all those sorts of cool places, and there was no way I wanted to miss out on all of that. Um, And so coupled with the changing aspect and the logistics of that with also his peg feeding. So I think it was four years ago now he started to have to be peg fed through a tube in his tummy. And so taking him out and about and you've got to lift up his top and 
people can see. And yes, I under, I'm quite immune to it now, but I understand if you have never seen anything like that, it's quite confronting to have mm. someone have a tube going into their tummy and then a syringe feeding food into it. And Jake deserves his dignity. He doesn't need to have his top up and everybody's seeing everything. And, um, you know, and then it's cold food straight into your tummy. And there's just so much about it as well that, I, again, I was at the Adelaide show and it was a 12-hour day and I had to do that three times. So we're finding like little alleyways to peg feed him mm. or if we're sitting at the table with, you know, with all of us, I was with friends as well, and we're all sitting there and he's having to be peg fed through the tummy. And I just think that, yeah, it, there just had to be a better way. Mm. And as I said, it came from the fact that I was very well aware of this is what we're dealing with now. What are we going to be dealing in 5, 10, 12 years time? So. Uh, that's when I spoke about it. It really was a whinge to my bosses and bless them. They said, well, what can we do about it? So between the two of us, we created what they call a carer's lounge or what we call a carer's lounge. Mm -hmm. And so it's a space where you can peg feed, administer medications. You've got a private little lounge area. It's very much like a parent's room, but for people living with disability or with extra complex challenges. So there's also, um, we're setting up a facility for changing where there's a high adjustable bed and there's a hoist. And for me, I just find that just so exciting, which is sad <laughs> that a change facility to me is to go out and know I don't have to feel anxious about if he needs to be changed quickly. Where are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? What if we have to go home? What are the other kids going to do while we're doing that? To have a space where you can kind of keep the family together, know that you can go there. He's got his dignity. He's got hygiene. He's got privacy. I myself have privacy and hygiene as well. I just think it's just so, for me, I was talking to the Teacher Gallery Council CEO and I said, I think toilets just need to be seen now as men, women and chairs. So instead of two blocks, it needs to be three blocks. And that should just should be everywhere and not just your token little change room where there's a handrail and that's now accessible. Um, it needs to be with a high adjustable table. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's how that came about. Yeah, but it, like I find that so inspired that you're creating these spaces so you can in return be a be a positive parent Absolutely. because you you can go out and you know enjoy these you know fun activities festivals and so can Jakey obviously when yeah. you know you know that this is available now and so starting to see this you know pop up now in the Melbourne show and the Velo 500, all these huge big festivals, like Fringe next year. And it's just incredible that because of a problem and issue that you were having and you were experiencing, you've now been able to solve and help all these other parents around the country yeah. be able to, yeah. I get excited about that because I did notice for a while there that I started to even think maybe I'll keep Jakey at home with a support worker and I'll take Sienna to this thing. And then I was like, why should Jake miss out? as well. And mm. he would loves it just as much. But then also imagine having all those other families who thought it's too hard or, or it's too overwhelming. Mm. 
to go out. And now if they can go out and take the kids out for the day, that just, I get pretty excited about that. That's great. (laughs) Um, Now, I'd also love to chat about your gorgeous Sienna. Yes. your eldest. Yes. Uh, She's obviously, it's been an interesting time for her. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of, and and I find, I love Sienna. She's, (laughs) both your kids are just fantastic. Like Sienna has a, a quirk that is just very unique. And I find her a very resilient, strong girl who is just, yeah. And I think that that's you have just the way you've brought Sienna up into this into this complex world with with, with Jakey. You've obviously done it with such ease because she's yeah. How, I, I, I don't know if it's been easy, yeah, but um, I think so. If we go back to my childhood, my brother was quite unwell for ten years, and I think that served as purpose for me to be very aware of Sienna and how she is. So my mum was quite preoccupied with my brother and no disrespect to my mum, she did an amazing job and I it all served me well, but it has helped me become a better parent to Sienna, I feel, in the way that I talk to her a lot about the thoughts and feelings uh, around everything that's going on. We've always really talked about stuff really well and I think if we have made a mistake or I as a parent have made a mistake in the way we've interacted. I'll always go back to, I think I remember somewhere along the line, the rupture and the repair. So you might rupture a relationship, but then how you repair it matters. And so if we've ever had a rupture, uh, you know, something's happened, someone's overtired, yelling, all that sort of thing, how we've repaired has always been the way we talk to each other. And she's always been really open in how she feels. And I think the best thing is having made her feel not ashamed of her feelings. So I have really made uh, an effort to acknowledge she's allowed to feel jealous. She's allowed to feel angry. She's allowed to feel embarrassed sometimes if she's out and about. I know that she's had all of those feelings, people staring on the streets, things like that. I would see how she would react, um, how she would feel when we just got home from school and we've got therapists in the door and they're all talking about Jake and it's even, you know, two hours before we've even sat down and connected with each other and all of those moments really letting her know it's okay to feel left out. It's okay, you know, and I'm sorry she feels that way. And then this is why though and what we're trying to do to help Jake and her and then what we can do you know, perhaps we didn't have that weekend together, but let's do this another time. So I guess it's always been acknowledging her feelings and then making her feel not ashamed to express them. Um, she's said some really quite deep stuff about her feelings towards having a brother like Jake. And I think it took me a while to come to grips with those feelings myself and then to help her through them as well and not feel ashamed of them because it isn't all positive and it isn't all happy. but to know that it's okay to have those feelings. Mm. We wouldn't be human if we didn't. What are your thoughts, Um, Terence? Yeah, this is fascinating. Just sitting here and listening, I was thinking to myself, Sienna is a lucky girl. Mm. Isn't it useful to learn early rather than late that sometimes we're left out of things? Mm. Isn't it useful to learn that sometimes I'm not the centre of the universe, that people don't actually care what I'm thinking or my needs and there are people around me with higher priorities and I've got to deal with that. Now, I think that's 
that's an experience that every adult has, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's quite useful to learn that at an early age. And Millie, when you introduced Sienna, you made the point that she's a resilient young lady. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what else she has learned as a result of her mum uh, having a, a, a major parenting challenge other than raising Sienna, of course. What other advantages that have come Sienna's way, particularly because we would all as parents like to have a daughter like Sienna. So what in general terms has Sienna learned and why and how can we how could we apply that more generally to parenting, if that's not too complicated a question? Yeah. Oh God. She's learned she's learned a lot from a very young age. And similar to what you're saying, so she has, I think Since the age of maybe six, made, no, probably eight, made her own lunch every day for school. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's my test always. First question who makes the lunch? Yep. So she has. Sienna, I say. And it was, you know, chopped cucumbers and chopped capsicum and carrots and then her little sandwich and her crackers. And and she's very independent, very independent. And she will, and I think there's, pros and cons to that, of course, with everything. She's very much a caretaker. Uh, apparently, even at the school camp, she helped the bus driver take all the bags off the oh. bus. <laughs> so she's very much into wanting to help, not so much when Jace is around because she just wants to play, <laughs> which is fine that's because I think that's a fantastic mm-hmm. balance. Um, I love that with Jace, her her relationship with her stepbrother, that she can have the, you know, the fighting and the physical and the talking back and the that sort of thing. And then with Jake, she doesn't get that. Um, but she also gets obviously a lot of other things from Jake. So when it when it is just her and I, she's very much a caretaker. And I have wondered if that's a detriment, but I do actually think it's it is definitely a positive. She's she certainly has learned a lot more. She's very aware of other people around mm. her, their mm. emotions and what they're going through. Um, you know, when we're in an elevator, she'll always hold the door open for the older people. Mm. She even loved it because one of them gave her $5 so now she expects it from all of them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so she definitely has, is very attuned. She has that carer mm. aspect to her. Also, you know, from a darker perspective, I guess she's seen, you know, her brother in some medical situations that have not been nice at all and you don't want any child to have to see anything like that. But it has certainly made her a lot more resilient for sure. And, yeah, I guess I just feel, you know, when she's out there in the world, she doesn't really let anything walk all over her. (laughs) She's certainly not afraid to speak her mind. And, yeah, I think one of the things as well, she's quite, her personality is quite quirky. And she stands by that. So probably it's helped her embrace difference in herself Mm. a lot more because of her brother's differences as well. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. You have done. Hasn't Karen, I told you she was amazing. Brilliant. You did. You did. You did. And you were right. Um, Yeah. There's some clear lessons, I think, for Mm -hmm. all parents coming from that. If I could just focus on Sienna again for a moment. Mm -hmm. Resilience. We talk about 12, um, sorry, 10 accomplishments of character, resilience, empathy for other people. Mm -hmm. I still am staggered by the lack of empathy amongst younger people. Mm -hmm. Um, They seem to be quite surprised sometimes when you point out to them that there are other people on the planet who also have needs 
and and preferences. Empathy, independence, uh, a capacity to stand up for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all of these are qualities which will stand her clearly in good stead right throughout her life. And it, it, it's interesting, you've been extremely preoccupied and very, very busy. And we talked earlier about parents who were both working and who were busy and maybe feeling guilty that, that they've, their children are missing out. Uh, it seems to me, as I said, Sienna has been a major beneficiary of the situation in her own family. And I think it, it's a reminder to, to all parents that we, I'm, I'm sure, none of us expect as much as we should from our kids. You've had to, and Sienna's had to suck it up to some extent, but I think a mistake we all make is, you know, I'll make his lunch or I'll tie up his shoes or da-da-da-da-da. She just hasn't, Sienna just hasn't had that luxury because her mum just hasn't had the time and the capacity. But it's a lesson for all parents as I see it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So many lessons. (laughs) Like I'm just picturing all the... Beautiful quotes we could just pull from this conversation. Um, our time has come to an end nah. and we could just keep chatting because we're just, <laughs> I feel like we just, just got, yeah, just scratched the surface. Like I feel like we've only got through the first two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll just, yeah, there's so much more to talk about. So um, let's just see maybe, maybe a future episode we can, a season two, who knows. But Karina, thank you so much for, for sharing all of that, for sharing your story. With, with Jake at the start and your story that's, you know, every day is a, a different day and you are just doing an incredible job and, yeah, you very, very inspiring parent. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Oh. I think it is, like I say, I think it's Jakey. He just, yeah, brings it out in everybody. He's, Anyone he's who's got the cutest smile. Yeah, anyone who meets him, I actually think walk away a better person. So, oh. you know, it's beautiful. But thank you for having me. Oh. I appreciate it. it an absolute pleasure. Hope to have you back. <laughs> yes. <laughs>